Good morning, church. Good morning. Woo, y'all live this morning. All right. Well, welcome to Connection Milling. It's our first Sunday morning service. It's awesome to see all you guys here. Man, it's overwhelming almost to me. God's been doing good. He's, uh, he's holding off the rain so we can hunt some Easter eggs in a little while. Who's excited about that? Y'all tell the story. Y'all ain't excited about that. But anyway, I just want to just welcome you guys to coming, and I'm uh, just so excited to see what God's going to do through this service. Um, I've got a couple pages of notes. You know what that means? Nothing. <laughs> God always tries to uh, change my plans, and I think he's doing that today. Um, but before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, consume us this morning, God. Because, God, you are worthy. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Everything we do should be because of you. Lord, as I'm reminded in this text that we're about to read how Peter just opened his mouth and you, you spoke through him. And because of that, many lives were changed and transformed. That, God, you changed the ordinary person to something extraordinary. And God, I pray that there's people here this morning, there's people here hurting this morning, there's people here that have been going to church their whole life and think they're okay with you, there's people that are just struggling today, God. And we pray, Father, this morning that you would just break down those walls, that you would break the chains, and that God, when we leave here, everything will change. God, I just pray that, uh, Lord, as as I begin to speak, Lord, you would remind us, Lord, as, as people think that, hey, the preacher is, is talking straight to me, that under, make, them, make them understand and realize, God, that it's not me, that it's you speaking to their heart. God, speak in a, in a, just in a, in a way that is undescribable, that we can't leave here the way we came, and that we're different because of you. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, last week, those of you that came last week, um, I was told that I preached an hour and 15 minutes by multiple people. That will not happen today because I know y'all are hungry, and I got a countdown thing here that's going to flash. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. This morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. If you want to turn there and get ready. Um, the series we're preaching through is it's called Everything Changed. Because when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Amen? Amen? Everything should change. A lot of people, they say they met Jesus and nothing changed. That happened to me when I was a kid. I said I met Jesus. I said I decided to follow Jesus, but nothing changed. Until 2008 when I met Jesus, for really for the first time, and everything changed. It's so important today that this, this message is so just so tender in my heart because there's so many of us that are confused. There's so many of us that, that are claimed to be followers. And there's so many walls that are up between those that say they know Jesus and those that don't. Today we'll be talking about the conversion of Cornelius. How when he met Jesus, everything changed. But before we get started, I want to ask you a question. Would you call yourself religious? Would you call yourself religious? If so, why? Why do you call yourself religious? Just be thinking about that. Why, why do I think I'm religious? Why do I think I'm a follower of Christ? Uh, why do I say these things? Why did I come to church this morning? I want you to really check your heart, okay? In Acts chapter 10, all the way through the book of Acts, up until this point, okay, the gospel had somewhat been limited in its outreach. It had kind of been just about the Jews. And it kind of puffed the Jews up because they thought, hey, salvation is all about us. It was all about them. Isn't that how we get sometimes as a church? So those of you that, that, that have not been much, look, you got to talk to me a little bit. If not, we will be here for an hour. <laughs> so... 
Sometimes we go to church and, and, and we've grown up in church and we think that, hey, Jesus, is, it's just about me. The Jews thought that salvation was all, for, all about them and it wasn't supposed to reach out. And it was so engraved in them that it was hard for them to break that mold. It was hard for them to go outside of that. Up to this point, the gospel only spread through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And the Samaritans, they were only half Jewish. So they got, they got it as well. But nobody else had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ until the conversion of Cornelius. Because, because of this, the Gentiles, those outside of the chosen people of God, got to experience what salvation is. And because of Cornelius, it shows us that they, there's nobody outside the hand of God. There's nobody too far that God can't reach. And it's an awesome story to me. He was the first Gentile to be saved. And what's crazy is not only was he saved, but his whole entire household was saved. Not just him. It affected his family. It affected his friends. Not just his immediate family, but his whole entire family. How awesome would that be to go home today and tell your family about Jesus and everybody in your circle was saved today? That's what happened with Cornelius. But it only happened because he was obedient to God. I'm going to start in chapter 10. I'm going to read some of it and paraphrase some and then read some more because we're going to, there's a lot, of, a lot of text in here. So in verse 1 it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to people, and prayed continuously to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and, it's, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring, some, bring someone, sorry, bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having relayed everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay? So here you have a man that is outside of, of, of the Jewish culture. He's a Roman. What he is, he is a Roman guard. It was the Romans that had a part of crucifying Jesus. So he was, he was a part of the Roman guard. He was a very important man because he was, he was the leader of an Italian cohort. About 100 men was under his direction. So he's a very influential man. He was a very man of authority, but it also says he was a devout man. That means he was religious. He was going to the synagogue. He was going, he was paying his tithes, his alms. He was paying his tithes. He was doing the, the religious thing. But yet, as he was doing his religious thing, he was known as a religious man. Even his household was known as being religious. But through that, there was something missing. And God told him, he said, God didn't tell him exactly what was missing. He said, look, I want you to go get Peter, and I want him to bring him, and he's going to tell you what you're missing. And I hope a lot of you are here this morning because you've been missing something in your life. You've had a, you've had a void in your life. You don't know what it is. You tried to fill it with all kinds of things. You tried to fill it with all kinds of stuff. But there's this void, and you can't figure out what it is. I pray today when you leave here that Jesus Christ fills you, and you are, you are whole again. Because that's what happened with him. He was a religious man. Religion don't save you. Jesus Christ does. We can be the most moral. We can, have the, we can be the, most, the best person. We can have all the great morals. We can be good people in the eyes of everyone else and come to church every Sunday. But it's what you do with Jesus is what saves you. Not your repetitive attendance to church. And I'm happy you're here this morning. But if you leave here without Jesus, you didn't change anything. You just got up early and put on some good clothes. 
We've got to be true followers of Jesus Christ. And this man was a great man. He was a great leader, but he was missing something. And he was missing Jesus. And what happens next is Peter. Peter begins to, he's, he's on a rooftop praying. And God gives him a vision of a blanket falling down from heaven. And it had all different kind of animals and reptiles on it. And what you got to understand is Peter was taught from a child that there were certain things that was clean and certain things that were unclean. There were certain things you were supposed to associate yourself with. There were certain people you were supposed to associate yourself with, and there were some that you were not. And Peter was so ingrained in that. He was a disciple of Jesus. That's proof that there can be some things that are taught to us from childhood that just stay with us. Oh, well, that ain't how Grandma and Granddaddy did it. That ain't what Aunt Sally Sue told me. That ain't how I need to, that, that, ain't, that ain't right. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not right. And they can, we can be taught the wrong thing our whole life. But Peter, God gave him that vision. He had to give it to him three times for him to get it. It just shows how stubborn we can be as believers. Because it's about me. Oh, no, God, that ain't how I'm supposed to do it. That ain't how I was taught when I was a kid. So finally, Peter gets it. He's sitting there, and, and the people from, from Cornelius' tribe, uh, Cornelius' uh, friends and family, they came. Not his family, friends and family, his uh, soldiers, there we go. They came, told Peter what was going on. Peter went with them to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius tells him, hey, this is what God told me. Because Peter was like, I don't know why I'm here. What gets me is Peter told him, he said, look, you yourself know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with a visitor, anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for you, I came without objection. See, there's people that we think that we're too good to talk to. There's people we think that, that, hey, I don't want to associate with them because they might smell different than I smell. I don't want to talk to this person because they are different. They struggle with drugs. I don't want to talk to this person because they're not in the same economic status that I'm in. Come on, y'all ain't going to give me no help this morning, are you? That's what it's like. We don't, we, we, oh, I'm living in the brick house on the hill, and I don't want to talk to the poor man that's struggling in a trailer down the road. He needs Jesus, amen? Because Jesus breaks that divide. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And when it's all about Jesus, we don't care about somebody's economic situation. We don't care about that they have different hygiene than we have. We don't care about those things. We just want them to know Jesus Christ because we love them. Thank God Jesus didn't discriminate me because I was a hard-headed, beer-drinking redneck. He had every right to. And Jesus loves you. Thank you. I just, I'm just thankful that he loved me enough to do that. We should show that to everyone else. And, it's, and, and Peter went. He, he could have been hard-hearted. He could have said, no, I'm not going there to them people. This breaks down so much, guys, of where we are. Typical South Georgia Christian people that says they know Jesus, most of them are just religious because they just say they are a follower of Christ. They're not really loving people. Most people in the South, black, white, whatever color, are racist. And it's not about, because it's not about me. I mean, it's not about Jesus, it's about me. It's about what makes me comfortable. Jesus Christ doesn't discriminate because what color you are, what nationality you are, what, what pay grade you are, what you have, what you don't have. He died for everybody. So we should love everybody equally, right? That's what this is saying. There's nobody too far from the hand of God. And we've got to love people that way. As he continues on, he, he, he's, he's asking them, hey, why am I here? Why do you want me here? So he, Cornelius tells him why and everything. And I love this part. Peter, in verse 34, 
So Peter opened his mouth. Guys, sometimes we just got to say something. When somebody's struggling, we got to open our mouth and say something. When somebody is confused about what it means to be a Christian, we got to open up our mouth and say something. And he was obedient, and God just flowed out of him. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news and peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. I'm going to stop right at a second. What he was doing is he was saying, look, you were Roman soldiers. You know about Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. I want to tell you a little something. This book is one of the most historically correct books that we have. This book is the inherent word of God. If it said it, it happened. All right? And it, so he's trying to tell them, look, this is what happened. This is the facts. The facts is that Jesus, you know what happened. You know that Jesus came. You know what happened with, when the Roman soldiers beat them. You know all, this thing, all these things. And verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we were his witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as a witness, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded to preach to the people, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everything, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter is saying, look, it's awesome that you're religious. It's awesome that you have went to the synagogue every time the doors are open. It is awesome, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you that Jesus came and bled and died. Jesus chose to come. If you don't know about Jesus today, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is my sanctifier. Jesus is my healer. Without him, I couldn't do this right now. Jesus is the son of God that chose, that he chose to come down from heaven to be born of a virgin, to live on this earth for 33 years. He chose that. Why? Why did he choose that? Because he loved you guys. Because he wants you in the family of God. Because before that, we wouldn't, there, was no, there was a separation between God and his people. And when Jesus died as the sacrifice of our sins, because of that, we have eternal life. And because we have eternal life, when we trust and follow Jesus Christ, it's not about religion. It's about following Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, you're doing what he says do. Amen? You're obeying what he says do. I can't say that I'm following anyone if I'm not doing what they say do. Following Jesus means we surrender who we once was. And everything changes in our life, and we begin to follow him to eternity. Let me tell you something. If you want to go to hell, you know what you got to do? You just be born and live just like you want to live. You don't have to do anything. Just live, breathe, and one day you're going to wake up to your destination. But if you want to go to heaven, if you want to see the glorious face of my Savior that died for me and you, if you want to see him, I challenge you today, trade in your religion and leave here with Jesus Christ. Stop playing games with God and let's leave here being people on fire for Christ. People that are telling people about Jesus. The reality is a lot of us don't tell people about Jesus because we really don't know who he is. I didn't tell anybody about Jesus when I was just being religious because I didn't know the whole deal. We have grown up in the South where everybody 
knows Jesus. Everybody's been to church at least one or two times in their life. So it's like, okay, well, I'm a Christian. Because I went to church, because I went every now and then, that means I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm going to go to heaven just because of those things. No, that's not. It's what you do with Jesus that saves you. It's what you do with Jesus that changes your life. And we can go to church, and we can keep just putting that off, not following him. We can keep doing that our whole life. And it's a shame because our churches are full of people that's going to die and go to hell because we just claim to be religious people. And I know if you've came here enough, you've heard me preach about this a couple times, but guys, I'm telling you, God is just wrenching my heart. He doesn't want your religion. He wants your heart. He wants you to follow him. He died for you. And the least we can do is live for him. Amen? What he says. And as Peter gives him the good news, as Peter begins to tell him what, what the good news of Jesus Christ, he's like, hey, you may have been to church, but let me tell you about Jesus. And he tells him about that. Not only did he tell just him, he told the man's whole family. And in verse 44, I love this. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on him, fell on all who heard the word. That just telling me that if you're really, truly, genuinely seeking God, if you're interested in the kingdom of God, if you're open to following Jesus and you're here tonight, today, let me tell you something. He's going to come into your heart and he's going to save you, but you've got to want it. Just like a glass. I can have this glass and I can, I can have my hand over the top of it and try to pour something in it and it's, just gonna, it's never going to go inside. But if I take my hand off the top and I allow that thing to be open, I can pour anything I want into it. So many of us are open to everything else in the world. We're open to friends. We're open to family. We're open to doing whatever else. But when it comes to following Jesus, we've heard this whole religion thing. We've seen so many people that claim to be Christians but are not. And we put this barrier up, guys. We put this thing up where we're like, you know what? I'll go to church, but this whole Jesus thing just ain't for me. If you're going to church, you're just going. It's what you do with Jesus that changes you. And today I challenge you to take your hand off of the top and allow God to fill you. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. If you're truly seeking God, he's going to fill you. That's what happened to Cornelius. He was, he was religious. He was going through the motions, but that's all he knew. And I can relate. I went to church my whole life, guys, my whole life, just being religious, going to church on Sunday, doing my own thing because I had said the sinner's prayer and I had been baptized when I was a kid. I had did everything I thought that needed to get done for me to get to heaven, but my life didn't reflect it. And as I followed Jesus, as I began in 2008 when he woke me up, I realized that it was about a relationship with him. It was about seeking him. And the more I seek God, the more he pours into me. In February 2008 is when I finally took my hand off the top of the lid and said, God, I give that up. Fill me with you. And your life's never going to be the same. Your life's never going to be complete until you allow him to fill you. You're going to keep being empty. You're going to keep going to addiction. You're going to keep going to things that are contrary to God's word and what God wants because you are trying to fill your life with things that don't please God. God created each and every one of you for a purpose and a reason. He created you to serve him. And if we're going to serve God, we've got to allow him to fill us with him. We can't just play the religion game. So what you went to church your whole life? So what you got baptized? Is your life different? Have you changed? Have you been transformed? Are you closer to Jesus today than you was yesterday? Because if not, you need to trade that in today and leave with him. Guys, I really want everybody to get a hold of this and realize 
that until we really start following Jesus, we can't love people the way he's called us to love other people. The conversion of Cornelius tells me a bunch of things, but one of the main, one of the main things is about religious people need Jesus and also that Christ has died for everybody, all nations, every single person. Because the, the, the Gentiles were people that were shunned. The Gentiles were people that, that the Jews kind of hated. They, 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 they treated them like they were second rate. Has anybody felt like they were, everybody in here ever felt like they were second rate? Somebody treated them like with disrespect. Like, 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 like they were just walking on top of you. That's how they felt. But yet Jesus sent Peter to wake up this religious Gentile to the reality of saying, hey, Jesus loves you too. And that's what gets me, is we need to understand that Jesus didn't come and die for white people. Jesus didn't come to die for black people. He didn't come to die for, for the Hispanics or the Chinese. He died for all of us. So that if we would follow him, let me tell you, our church should look like heaven. Amen. It should look like heaven, and we struggle with that in the South. We go to, we go to school with, with every different nationality that there is, but yet we go to church, we want to be separate. Come on now, we got to be together. We're supposed to be following Christ together, amen? Brothers and sisters in Christ, heaven's not going to be segregated. And we need to pour out our, our hearts to the people no matter if it's color that separates us or it's economic status that separates us. If there's a brother or sister that is in trouble, we should pour out our heart and say, here, let me help you. Instead of saying, look, it's about me. You do what you need to do to help yourself, and I'm going to keep staying up on the hill. I don't want to be affected by you. Let me tell you, that ain't what my God says to do. Jesus says we should love everyone the same. He breaks those barriers down. And that's how God's called us in connection to be a church that looks like heaven. He's called us to be a church that reaches out to those that, that, that are on, they're drug addicted, that, that feel like they're a social outcast. That's who Jesus wants. That's who he went after. And if you're here this morning and you just feel like people's been pushing you away, that when you get to a crowd of people, they look at you and like, what's he doing here? What's she doing here? Let me tell you something. There's freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus wants you in his family. See, that's what we got to understand. God saw you. Okay, God saw you. He saw me in my sin, in my, in, in my despair. And he's like, I love this guy. I love this woman. I love them. I want them in my family. I want them in my family. I want to love them. I want them to know how much I love them. I want them, look, I, want, I love them so much, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to pay for their penalty. I'm going to pay for their sin with my son's life because I want them in my family so much. He wants you in his family so much that he gave his son to die on the cross. That's love, folks. As John Piper would say, that's mega off the chart. Love that you don't experience with nobody but Jesus. Religion won't give you that. Showing up to church every Sunday won't give you that. Just coming to appease your conscience won't give you that. I know. I went to church for two years every single Sunday going and praying the sinner's prayer. Every Sunday. Lord, save me my sin. Let me tell you, by sundown Sunday night, I was popping up a, a cool case of Bud Light. My language didn't affect, didn't show anybody that I love God. I was playing games. But when Jesus came into my life, when I realized that God died for me, God sent his son to die for me, everything changed. Nothing's going to change in your life until you give it to Christ. Let me tell you something. I'm fixing to be a daddy. In July, my son will be here. I want my son to know that his daddy loves Jesus. I want my son to see his daddy passionately pursuing God that way that no one else can tell him that Jesus ain't worth it. 
And if you've got children, you need to be thinking about that. The example you're putting in front of your kids. If you're just being religious, guess what? They're going to just be religious. If you're going to have hate towards your brothers and sisters of different color or nationality or social status, guess what? They're going to breed off that same thing. And if we're going to affect the next generation, if things are going to change in, in America, in Jenkins County, then we've got to let go and let God. But it can't be about us. It can't be about us. What I love about this is that when, when he understood the gospel, when the Holy Spirit fell in that room and everybody in there got it, his whole family, everybody was saved. Man, that's exciting to me. Everybody was saved at one time. They were all seeking God together as a family. Let me tell you something. That just tells me that we affect our family and generations to come. And if we would just stand on the promise of God and say, look, I want my grandkids to know Jesus, let me tell you, that would encourage you to stand firm in Christ. James Dobson. I'm going to tell you a little story about James Dobson. His, his great-granddaddy was a godly man, and he prayed so hard for his family. And God gave him a promise that all of his kids and his grandkids would faithfully serve God in ministry. And all that was true throughout the whole life, but James Dobson. And he pushed, he felt the call, but he didn't want to accept it. And he kept pushing off and pushing it off. And finally, he surrendered to that. And James Dobson is one of the most famous family, Christian family authors and writers of our day. Why? Because a godly granddaddy chose not to have religion, and he chose to follow Jesus passionately. And that's what he's calling all of you to do, all of us to do. Because when we follow Jesus, we don't allow these, these walls to be up. It breaks down those walls. Before I met Jesus, I didn't want to talk with anybody that wasn't like me. I'm going to be honest. I didn't want to do that. I was brought up in a way of saying, hey, you don't talk to them people. If I picked up somebody on the, if I seen somebody on the road that I knew when they got in my truck, they would stink. Guess what? I did not pick them up because I didn't have time to clean my truck out after they got in there. And we say, when I, when I got saved, I found myself like doing the exact opposite of what I was taught. We can be taught things by the, with, with the best intentions from our family, but if it don't back up with Scripture, it's wrong. We've got to say, we've got to put that and say, look, is what granddaddy told me right in the eyes of God? And if it's not, guess what? God's right and granddaddy's wrong. We've got to change. And a lot of the reason a lot of us are just religious is because we've grown up in a family where our families have just been religious. Great people. Do anything for anybody. Give the shirt off the back. Good people, but just religious. Somehow down the road, we bought into the lie that going to heaven is about your church attendance and not about your heart. But it's about your heart. And when God's got your heart, everything will change. Everything will change. It can't stay the same. God says when he calls you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, when you turn the lights on, darkness can't be there. You change. You tra it transforms you. It transforms the way you think. It transforms the people you want to you love on and care about. It changes that. The gospel here is evident. In Acts 10, it's evident that diversity is what God wants in his kingdom. He wants a diverse people. And we say we want to be diverse. We say that. But what do we do when diversity is sitting beside us in church? When diversity is knocking at our front door? What are we doing with that? A lot of times we say, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not ready for that. We need to accept our brothers and sisters as God accepts us. And we won't do that 
if we're just being religious. If we're just playing games with God, that won't happen. What gets me is the next thing that happens is, and it's so awesome to me, is after they were, after they were saved, the next thing is Paul, I mean, Peter says, look, now you need to be baptized. Now you need to be baptized. Baptism is not. Baptism don't save you. you baptize, it don't save you. It doesn't have anything to do with being saved. It's an action you do after being saved. It's showing the world, look here. You're throwing the, big, you're throwing the lights up. You're saying, look, I want everybody to see that I love Jesus. I want to show you that I love Jesus by being baptized in the symbology of down with the old man and up with the new. The old man's gone and the new person's up. But a lot of us, we got baptized when we was a kid, and we were the same dirty, filthy person when they brought us out of the water. Then we went in, and nothing's changed in our life. Baptism don't change you. I did, that, I did that whole ritual when I was a kid, and it didn't mean nothing. I got saved in 2008. I was like, you know what? I done done the baptism thing. I don't need to do it again. Started growing in my walk with Christ. Continued to grow in my walk with Christ. Got ordained as a minister. I'm the associate pastor at a church. I made a revival, and I've been telling my wife for months, I feel like God's got something in store for me to do, but... I just feel like something's blocking it. I don't know what it is, but something's blocking it. I'm at this revival, and the preacher said, he's preaching. He said, I don't know who this pertains to, but I just want God telling me that somebody needs to get their baptism on the right side of their salvation. I'm like, what you talking about? He said, look, God said for us to be saved, then be baptized. And right then I knew God was talking to me. And I'm sitting there on that front pew Leading people to Christ every week, thinking, God, I can't step out. I can't do that. These people, I'm, the pa I'm a pastor. How am I going to say I need to be baptized? I'm supposed to already have done this. And Satan was just, they're going to fire you. They're going to get rid of you. They're going to think you've been playing games. And God just broke me. And I went to my pastor and I said, I need to be baptized. He almost fainted. But that, a couple weeks later, I was baptized. And you're talking about the peace beyond all understanding. I knew that I had finally, finally, really, been obedient to God. And there's a lot of you in here that need your baptism on the right side of your salvation. You were, you, you, you were truly saved months ago or a year ago, and, and you really need to get your, salvation, your, your baptism on the right side. Let me tell you, when, after I did that, guess what happened? It just went to flowing. God began to tell me what he wanted me to do, and I'm here right now because of that. And if I had pushed God off, I 100% believe I would still be in the same place. I'd still be miserable, wanting to know what God wanted out of my life, what kind of purpose he wanted. But because I surrendered and obeyed God, he put me here. And he's got plans for your life, but you need to surrender to him. you got to be obedient to him. It's time for us as Christians to stop acting like a bunch of spoiled children and saying, this is about me and what I want, and say, God, I give you my life. I want you to do whatever it is. I'm going to write a blank check, and here, you do with it what you want. But I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you, and I don't care what it costs me because you're enough. Why? Because he sent Jesus for me. Next week is Easter Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And most people go to church on the Easter to see the cute little bunny rabbits and all that good stuff. But it's not about that. It's about Jesus. And we've made Easter an attraction instead of really just saying, hey, it's not about this. It's about Jesus. And we've taken the focus off of Jesus and put it on what we want it to be. Guys, I want to tell you, I was a drunk. I was so close to being addicted to alcohol, it's not even funny. I was an awful husband. I had a sailor's mouth. But when I met Jesus, everything changed. And let me tell you, I'm fitting to see a video of a guy that I love and 
I was able to see God grow in his life. But when God moved in his heart and God really changed him, everything changed. So y'all check out this video of this man that wants you guys to know that he loves you. Wants you guys to know that, hey, religion is not enough. It's about Jesus. Roll it. I was selfish, then everything changed. All I cared about was being successful. All my friends that I grew up with were getting out of college and getting high-paying jobs, and I was late on that because I was caught up in the party scene, didn't really care about school. So uh, then I just worked hard to try to better myself, and I ended up buying the business that I worked at and bought another business, and I just stayed caught up in working and seeing what more I could get, nice cars, nice house. I was caught up in material things, thinking that was gonna better my family and make us happier. But actually, it was probably making it worse. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I just, I got baptized. It was probably for, because I felt like it was the right thing to do. I didn't do it because I was getting saved or anything. I just did it for, to look like I was trying to be the right person. And it didn't change anything. I mean, I lived my life the same before I got baptized as I did after. It didn't change a bit. One day, my wife and oldest son were going to church. And uh, he probably wasn't but four years old. And he come up to me and he said, he said, Daddy, are you going to church? And I told him I wasn't. And he said, he said, Daddy, you need to go to church to learn about Jesus. And then I just realized that I was setting a totally wrong example that my four-year-old knew I was doing wrong. And I was leading him in the wrong direction. And my wife, my whole, I was leading my whole family in the wrong direction. We went to a revival. Jeremy Lindsay was preaching. And uh, he was just talking about his struggles and talking about how being a Christian is more than just going to church and sitting on a pew. It was having a relationship with Christ and wanting to serve God instead of just being all about yourself which the way I had. And ever since I heard that, my life just totally changed and hadn't been the same since. So I got saved and everything was changing and I thought I was good, but then at night I would stay up, couldn't sleep. It was like, God's like, you gotta do more. More than, I mean, that ain't it. You just gotta keep going. And uh, I fought it because I'd run from God so much that, and every time I think I was done and he just, it's like, kept on like you 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 gotta do more there's something more for you and then uh when jeremy and dallas called about a church and starting a church and i felt like that was that's what god changed me and that's that's what he had me for to help with that now me and my wife read read the bible with our sons and pray with them and we just spend so much more time together now and it's all about family and god we uh we became connect group leaders and help lead a group and it's something I thought I never could do because I'm a real nervous not outgoing person but now I love it and I can't wait until the nights that we do it and uh, it's just crazy how God's just stayed on me and changed I mean just steadily changed changes me every day somebody and knowing the change that's happened in their life <clears throat> is awesome. We, get, we live in a small town, guys. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows the lifestyle that everybody has lived or is living. And if you don't know, just ask somebody. They'll tell you. Guys, I want to be real. I want to be real. What I love about Ryan's testimony is I was right with Ryan. And God saved me out of that before. But God allowed me to be a part of Ryan's life. And God allowed me to see the change in Ryan's life. That's a gut-wrencher when your four-year-old comes in and says, Daddy, you need Jesus. 
because he realized he wasn't setting the example right before his son. And that Sunday that, or that week that Ryan got saved, I seen him and his son come to the altar and pray together because his son wanted his daddy to go to the altar and they went to the altar. And the next day, Ryan surrendered his life and gave it to Jesus Christ. And I've seen a man that was about himself turn to be a man that was following Jesus Christ. I've seen a man that was broken because a lot of his friends and he felt like some of his family thought he was weird because he was changing and doing something different. But I'm so thankful that he hung in and he said, Jesus is worth it. Ryan was caught up in religion, just like a lot of you are. Caught up in just going to church. Caught up in just trying to play the part and fool everybody. But you're not fooling God. God knows your heart. And today's the day to change all that. Today's the day to say, look, I don't want it to be about me anymore. I don't want it to be about just going to church. I don't want it to be about just doing these things. I want it to be about you, God. I want to give you the opportunity today. The conversion of Cornelius shows that Jesus loves religious people, but he don't want religious people to stay where they are. All through the New Testament and Acts, Conversion story after conversion story were people that were caught up in religion, but God saved them from that. So maybe today is your day, and I pray it is, that you would surrender your life and say, look, I want to give him my life. I want to give him my heart. I want to be in the family of God, and I want to be for real this time and not play games like I have in the past. And if that's you today, here at Connection, we don't believe in you being ashamed and saying, look, close your eyes, raise your hand. I want to follow Jesus. No, God says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. There should not be any shame in following the one that created you. So if you want to follow Jesus Christ, if that's me, Jeremy, I want to follow Christ, just raise your hand. Amen. 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 Keep them up. Keep them up. Amen. Amen. Keep them up. Keep them. Keep them up. <clears throat> Keep them up. The guy over here on the left, on the right, guys. Let me tell you something. There's nothing to be ashamed about. That Jesus Christ loves you. It cares about you. And I'm so excited to see what you have just decided to do. Let's just praise God for a second. anybody to leave here without making that profession. But that's what we're here for. We're not here just for service. We're here to make people known in the name of Jesus. Amen? Just one more time. Let's praise God one more time. Praise God. And there's people here Oh, that's exciting. I could go again. Oh, man. But no doubt, of the people that just chose to follow Christ, there's still some people that are holding on to their sin. I'm going to be right here. And if you were scared to death to raise your hand, come on up here to this table and we'll talk. But there's people on your heart it's like, Jeremy, I just, 
there's my, my, my daddy, my, my sister, my brother, my aunt, my coworker. I, I just, my heart's breaking for them, and I want them to come to this altar and pray for them. When the music starts, get on out your seat and come pray before a holy God and petition for their souls. If you're here today and it's like, you know what, I'm struggling, Jeremy. I'm struggling. I don't really know if I'm saved or if I'm not. I just need clarification. Come on down. That's what I'm here for. If there's sin in your life that you know that you need to get right before God, then guess what? That's what this altar is for as well. It's not coming to church. It's leaving different. Amen? And let's all leave with a clear conscience saying, God, I did business with you today. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord, thanking you and praising your holy name of how awesome you are, God. God, I can't thank you enough to see those people raise their hands and decide to follow you, God, made all the hell that I went through this week worth it, God. It made all the disappointment, it made all the the struggles, the trials, it made everything worth it, God. And I thank you, Father, for saving those people. I thank you, God, for filling them with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would just boldly move in this place. That, Father, we're not the same people when we came in here, God. That, God, we love our brothers like we love ourselves. That, God, we're not these people that are self-consumed or absorbed. That, God, we want to follow you, Father. And, Lord, I pray that there's people in here, Lord, that if they don't know you, that they've, they've been holding on, God, I pray that you would break the chains, God, and release them, Lord. Send your consuming fire upon their souls so that they would break free. God, move in our hearts. Reveal to us, Father, the sin that we've been playing games with, we've been trying to hold on to, God. Just show us, Father, a way to get rid of it. Come, allow us, Lord, to do business with you like only you can. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name.